Our scripture passage this morning is the second half of John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through the end. And so give your attention to the reading of God's word uh, for John 14 this morning. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while. And the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. Uh, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, uh, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word endures forever. Uh, one thing the pandemic has put many people in touch with uh, is loneliness, uh, that loneliness can be a great burden and discouragement that it's not good to be alone, which of course is the Bible's testimony uh, in the beginning of Genesis. I know I've had several conversations with people as the pandemic dragged on that one of the hardest parts has been the prospect of even more loneliness. Uh, and that's what the disciples are facing here in John 14. They are troubled by the news that Jesus is going away they are contemplating the loneliness of life without Jesus. And so Jesus tells them, yes, he is going away, but he is also going to give them something so they will not be alone. 
Uh, and that is the gift and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I, I just want to point out three things about the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this, uh, that the Spirit is a successor to Jesus' presence. Uh, so Jesus tells the disciples that he will ask the Father to give them another helper. Uh, and it's hard to find just the right English word to translate uh, this word paraclete. Uh, woodenly, it means uh, one who is called alongside of another. So uh, in the ESV, it is translated helper. Uh, it's related to the verb uh, to comfort, parakaleo. And so sometimes uh, it's translated like in the King James, the, the comforter. Uh, sometimes it's even translated the, the counselor. Uh, that's how it is in the NIV. We, we shouldn't think here of a camp counselor or a marriage counselor or a mental health counselor, which we all probably need after COVID. Uh, really here, the, the idea is a legal counselor, an, an advocate, one who comes to our defense and gives us aid. Uh, that's the way that it's used in 1 John 2. We have an advocate with the Father, a, a paraclete. Uh, the context here in John 14, though, is not so much someone speaking for us as much as it is someone speaking to us. Uh, the context is uh, Jesus giving something that will answer the disciples' distress. And so I think helper or comforter really is the best translation here. But what's more important than getting just the right English word is to notice uh, that Jesus is referring in verse 16 to another helper. Uh, the Spirit can be called another helper because Jesus is the first helper, the first comforter. Uh, and by referring to the Spirit as another helper, we see that this, the role of the Spirit is to be a kind of successor for Jesus, to continue the work of Jesus. And one person famously referred to the Spirit as another Christ. Not in the sense that the Spirit also becomes incarnate and suffers and dies and rises, but because many of the functions ascribed to Jesus are also in the Bible ascribed to the Spirit. Uh, so back in verse 6, Jesus declared that he is the truth. Uh, and here in verse 17, uh, he calls the spirit, the spirit of truth. Uh, in the previous chapter, Jesus uh, said, you call me teacher. Here in verse 26, uh, Jesus says, the spirit will teach you all things, which by the way, doesn't mean that the spirit teaches us different or additional things than what Jesus taught. Uh, because the next phrase in verse 26 is, and he will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. That's the role of the Spirit. The Spirit brings to our minds and to our hearts all the things that Jesus taught us. So we know how to be faithful in every situation. Uh, but whereas Jesus is going to the Father, uh, Jesus says that this helper 
will be with us forever. It's the job of the Spirit to continue the work that Jesus was doing. Uh, and so the Spirit is the successor to Jesus' presence. That's the first point. Uh, except that that's not really saying enough. Uh, it's not just that the Spirit is the successor to Jesus' presence. This brings us to the second point. Really, the Spirit is Jesus' presence. The Spirit is Jesus' presence in Jesus' absence. Uh, or another way that we might say it is, the Spirit mediates Jesus' presence to us. He, he doesn't just continue the work and then Jesus is completely absent. The Spirit mediates the presence of Jesus to us. Uh, so maybe you've noticed that there are a lot of farewell speeches in the Bible, these sort of important moments when a covenant leader prepares his followers to keep going after his death. Uh, and, and Joseph, at the end of the book of Genesis, gathers his 12 sons uh, around him. And Moses, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, gathers the 12 tribes around him. And Jesus is really doing the same thing here in this upper room discourse, sometimes called the farewell discourse, as he gathers his 12 disciples, minus Judas, uh, around him in the upper room. But what makes Jesus' farewell discourse different uh, than these other farewell discourses is that Jesus actually says, I'm not leaving you. And if you look at verse 18 and 19, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. So uh, an orphan is someone who has lost his or her parents. Uh, an orphan is someone who has become bereft of the presence and the protection and the provision uh, and the love of his mother and father. Uh, an orphan is someone who is completely alone in the world. And this is how the disciples are feeling at the prospect of hearing that Jesus is going away. This is how the disciples are worried that life without Jesus is going to be, we are going to be orphaned. And now Jesus promises not to leave his disciples in that condition. Uh, rather, he promises to come in a way that would solve the problem of being orphaned by his departure. Uh, and I want to make sure we don't misunderstand what Jesus means when he says, I will come to you. Uh, he's not talking about the second coming. Uh, because we know that Jesus is not talking about the second coming, because whatever this coming is, it is what is going to meet the immediate need of the disciples feeling his absence. Uh, it, it's not very comforting if uh, Jesus says, uh, don't worry about my absence. I will come to you in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Uh, that, that's not particularly encouraging. So Jesus is not talking about the second coming. 
Uh, and he's not talking about the resurrection appearances either, uh, right? I will come to you for 40 days and then I'll be gone again for a really long time. Uh, the resurrection appearances brought joy, but they were limited and Jesus' departure uh, without the reality that Jesus is discussing here would leave them feeling orphaned again by his ascension. Uh, so when Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Jesus is talking about his own coming to the disciples through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, note in verse 20, in that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Okay, so uh, on this day that Jesus comes to them, uh, they will be in Christ. And the point to note here is Christ will be in them. Uh, and if you go back to verse 17, uh, how is the spirit uh, described? Um, the spirit as described as the one that you know, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, so the ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of Christ dwelling in the believer, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings communion with Christ himself. Uh, and if I can just point something out just briefly, in verse 17 and in verse 20, uh, when Jesus talks about being in you, the Spirit dwells in you, I will be in you. Uh, the you there is plural. Uh, it is not you alone up on a mountaintop staring at the sunset. Uh, it is you, the gathering of disciples, uh, the spirit who comes alongside of you and dwells within you is experienced first in Christian community uh, and not in my personal prayer life or, or my quiet time is important and as valuable as those things are. So that if we isolate ourselves from Christian community, uh, then we miss out on the primary arena by which we experience the presence of Christ through the Spirit. Uh, and it's not just the presence of Christ. If you look at verse 23, uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, so as the spirit dwells in us, the son dwells in us and the father dwells in us. And we are getting here uh, some of that Trinitarian mystery, which obviously we could uh, we could really talk about for a long time. Uh, but remember how I said earlier that the, the Spirit is a successor to Christ. The Spirit is like another Christ. Uh, and remember, we saw in the first half of John 14, Christ is a homemaker, uh, right? Christ is a homemaker. As the first helper, Jesus goes to prepare a place for us in the Father's house. Uh, and he says... My, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And he uses this particular word, uh, Moni, that 
it only occurs twice in the New Testament. Uh, and the first one is in the first half of the chapter where Jesus says, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house that has many rooms. Uh, and now we are finding in the second half that the spirit is also a homemaker. Uh, and we find the same word as in the first half of the chapter in verse 23, we will come to him and we will make our home, that same word, in him. Uh, and again, it's the only other place where this unique word occurs. And I just want us to note that as the first helper, Christ makes a home for you in the Father's house. And as the second helper, the Spirit makes you a home for the Father and the Son. Okay, are you catching that? Uh, Jesus makes a home for you. The Spirit makes you a home for the Father and the Son and the Spirit to dwell in. Uh, so I, I can't think of a more powerful image to say that we are not bereft of the divine presence, uh, that Jesus going away does not mean that we lack his presence, than to say the work of the Spirit is to make you a home for the Father and the Son and the Spirit to dwell in, that in Jesus leaving, he is coming and he is dwelling in a new and a powerful way. Uh, so just to kind of put this whole chapter together by, for you, by the way, in verses 1 to 14, the disciples are given hope for the future. Jesus is going away to make a home for us. Uh, and in 15 to 31, uh, the disciples are given help for the present. The Father and the Son will take up their home in us by the Spirit, right? We don't just need hope for the future. Uh, we also need help for the present, and that's what the ministry of the Spirit uh, is and does. Okay, so last thing about the ministry of the Spirit, uh, it's a successor to Jesus' presence. It mediates Jesus' presence. But here's the last thing. How do we experience all of this? Uh, and I want to say that Jesus explains that the Spirit's presence is experienced through loving obedience. The Spirit's presence is experienced in our loving obedience. And you probably heard as I was reading the passage, the word love appear over and over and over again. I believe eight times in this passage. Uh, and even right as our passage begins, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, don't misread this. Uh, Jesus isn't describing for you, here's how salvation happens. You, you know, salvation happens this way. You love Jesus, and then he gives you the, the Holy Spirit. He's not saying we merit the Holy Spirit by our love. Uh, the Spirit could never be sent without the cross of Jesus. Uh, Jesus must go to the cross. He must wash us and cleanse us so that he can come by the Spirit and dwell in our hearts. Uh, so it's the successful mission of Jesus that makes the sending and the dwelling of the Spirit possible, not our love. Um, and of course, we could never love Jesus if it weren't 
for the spirit coming and changing our hearts. And John has some things to say about that in his uh, letter. You can't even say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All of that is true, and none of it is the point right here. Uh, the point that Jesus is making is that our growth in the knowledge and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is connected to our loving obedience to Christ. Uh, and a simple way to think about this is that it's how relationships work. Uh, Jesus is describing uh, a relational dynamic that we all know, uh, or I hope we all know, that love and obedience go together, and that you can't speak about love apart from obedience. Uh, so a husband, for example, who goes on and on and on about how much he loves his wife, but never respects her words or her wishes, has a feeling or an emotion uh, that is not what the Bible calls love. Uh, and you also can't speak about obedience without love. So a husband who does everything that his wife says, uh, but only out of uh, obligation and resentment and devoid of any affection, uh, he is a slave and not a spouse. And that also is not what the Bible refers to as love. Uh, so I like the little comment by Leslie Newbigin, uh, obedience is the test of love and love is the content of obedience. Uh, and that's what Jesus is talking about over and over again in this passage. And so where love and obedience are coming together, that's where you will find the spirit working. Uh, so verse 21 Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Okay? Where, where there is loving obedience to Jesus, Jesus manifests himself more and more. Uh, or verse 23, which we already looked, looked at. Uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, loving obedience means Jesus uh, and the father by the spirit more and more come to dwell in us and remodel us as a home. Uh, and so all of this happens through loving obedience. Uh, and the people who live this way, according to verse 27, will find peace. Uh, the peace that Jesus gives, not the transactional, conditional, fickle, fleeting peace of, of the world, uh, but a peace that can exist even when things are hard uh, or even when things are falling apart. Uh, so Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled. And don't let them be afraid, which is the way this whole chapter started back in verse one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, the ministry of the spirit uh, brings peace. And it's Jesus' answer to the sadness of the disciples. Uh, so I, oh boy, look, you know, I have so much more I could say. We could go for another half an hour uh, on, on this passage. I want to just jump down to the very end. 
Uh, Jesus says some other things we could linger on for a long time. Uh, the Jesus, who said, I and the Father are one, uh, also says, I go to the Father because he's greater than I, right? The mystery of the incarnation. Uh, or this great statement that the ruler of this world has no claim on me, right? Uh, he's got a claim on us because of our sin. He can accuse us, but uh, he, he cannot accuse or, or make a claim on the sinless Savior. But look at what Jesus says in verse 30. Um, uh, he says, uh, verse 31, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know I love the Father. Uh, why does Jesus go to the cross? We normally think that Jesus goes to the cross because he loves us. Uh, and that's certainly true. Uh, but even more, Jesus goes to the cross because he loves the Father. Uh, and when we see the cross, uh, we see Jesus in the very loving obedience uh, that we were just talking about, uh, that we are called to. Uh, when we see the cross, we see what loving the Father looks like. It's obedience to his command to lay down his life for us. The cross is never Jesus convincing the Father to love us. Uh, it's always Jesus doing exactly what the Father commands him to do because the Father loves us. Uh, so the cross is Jesus' loving obedience, he says here in verse 31. We are invited into that same kind of loving obedience. So as we lean into loving and obeying Christ, uh, we will discover we have a deep realization uh, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are not just working alongside of us. They're not just working through us. They are actually dwelling within us, uh, and we are not bereft. We are not alone. We are not orphaned, but we are God's own children. So let's pray that we experience that in our lives this week.